Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. It's Jeff. Aren't you glad we just entertain ourselves? Jeff hums along with the intro. We try to do a professional radio show here, Jeff, and you're just humming along through the intro as we go. Isn't that what old people do? They just walk around the streets humming? So here was the... (laughs) Isn't that that our deal? Look at you. You're just ripping yourself up. This is the two-year anniversary this week of you being dunked on at our open tryout yes, for the it is. Delaware Blue Coats. Uh-huh. Thankfully, you reposted Aren't you glad that that's, that video surfaced? I am so happy you know, that you I, reposted that video for hated, my entertainment. I find Facebook to be intrusive. I don't like it. It causes all sorts of trouble. And then on top of everything else, I need to be reminded of the worst moments. Well, I would have forgotten about oh, Not forgotten about it. I knew, we, like, I always remember seeing you getting dunked on, but I would have forgotten <laughs> it was that day unless you shared the, the video. And how flat-footed I was. But I wasn't going to ask you yeah. if you watched Thursday Night Football last night because Good, I figured if there was ever a ask. week that you Nobody weren't cares. going to watch, it yeah. was going to be for last night's game. And then here you go telling me you did. Not the whole thing. What did you well, do? Look, when the, when the Phillies decide once again to, fu- to find the worst teams in the major leagues and go down by a half a dozen runs again, what else am I going to do? Am well, I going to continue to watch that? What you're going to do is you're going to wait until Ted tomorrow. Lasso, if Ted Lasso had come out on a Thursday instead of rudely waiting till Friday morning, I could have watched that instead of watching. It is so watching. hard for you to wait because Jeff watches the show like right as it's released, and I watch like later in I the week. I didn't and watch it. And it's so hard yeah. for him not to say anything. But it was a great transition for you into soccer there because if you don't want to watch some baseball, Jeff, you can watch the Union play this weekend against Atlanta United. And we are lucky enough to be joined by local boy Union homegrown talent midfielder Paxton Aronson. Paxton, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Ah, we appreciate it. Hold, hold on, Paxton. That that was a great segue that you just did, Jason. So I got to now ask, Paxton, do you watch Ted Lasso? No, I do not. Oh. My parents have been recommending it to me. My dad watched it, my sister watched it, and I think my mom watched Jeff, it. Jeff, this just so. got worse for you. He just not only said no, he doesn't, but that his parents do. So I'm uh, glad yeah. that this worked. Yeah, thanks, Paxton. <laughs> thanks. That's what I needed to Paxton, do Paxton, you older. are the man. I appreciate you going there with it. Look, we, we wanted to have you on it. It's exciting. We've watched you come through the Union Academy system. Look, you've been there since you were 10 years old playing before you got your chance. We've liked interviewing some of your teammates, and, and it always comes through the camaraderie with some of the younger guys that have come through the academy. Talk about what it's been like to come through with, with some guys to make it up here and, and what it's like with them to have teammates that have gone through the same thing you have. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome sharing the same experiences as you know some of the younger guys on the team this year, like the new homegrowns like Quinn, Sullivan, Jack McGlynn. We were all, I mean, it feels like it was yesterday on the you like 14 squad together playing in games against like local clubs against FC Continental and now we're playing against New England Revolution and the MLS all three of us starting so it's a dream come true for all of us and it's just amazing to share like the field and the experience with all of them and it's really nice to have kids around the same age as you because sometimes you know it's just nice to be able to talk and yeah just share those experiences. So you, you use the magic word. You said kids. You know, you said it's, it's only, it seems like it's, it was that long ago when you guys were 14. It wasn't that long ago that you guys were there. What is it like for, for you and, and this group of you to be professional athletes this young and, and to see all of these fans come out and cheering you on and wearing your jersey? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's something we've all 
and especially me been working for my entire life but to think you know this young that I have people wearing my jerseys to the game I have people wearing you know Quinn Jack McGlynn's jerseys to the game it's just amazing and the fans give us all a boost they give us the motivation to work harder and improve every day so we love we love every bit of it so you've been going to Subaru Park since you were very young. You've watched your brother there. You're a local South Jersey kid. What was it like for you to step on that pitch in the game and, and get in there and, and really get some action? Yeah, uh, I remember my debut was against Portland and just finally making my home debut. Was, it was something special, just having all the fans. The atmosphere was amazing, having the fans cheer me on. But I just remember, like, going to all the games, even before my brother was even playing. Like, I would go with my dad when I was really young. We still have pictures and just watching the union and watching the players warm up and getting their autographs after the game, staying late, going early to the games. It was just I wanted to be there, and I really wanted to be on that field. And to think, like, three years later that I would be on that field, sharing the field with some of the guys that were on the team that I was watching with, it's just amazing. And then seeing my brother – the way he handled himself in his career with the union just motivated me even more and really showed me that like I can I can grab a hold of this thing and I can really go at it. You know, you mentioned your your dad and your brother and and Jeff's a father who coached his son who's now in college. I'm a father not in soccer. Not, not in soccer and like T-ball or something like that, but <laughs> and I'm a I'm a father with with young children. So I the, I enjoyed you talking in a different interview that I heard about with your, your dad and your brother kind of playing growing up, and, and you were at different stages. Your dad taught you more, your brother more skill, and, and then it, at some point you learned to be more of a scorer because of where your brother was along. Can you talk about what it was like growing up in such a family where you got to experience this all together? Yeah, it's something where it's maybe not as common, but having a brother that kind of has or already shared the same experiences that I have it's it's just it's really actually helpful for me and when we were younger we would always just play 1v1 always just being competitive trying to win in everything like two touch on the beach or 1v1 down in our basement it was always who would win who would win and then I remember we would always play and then come for dinner and then whoever lost would just be so disappointed and wouldn't say a word all dinner and my parents could tell who lost just from that but who was better uh in the basement it was it was just scrapped you know it hit off the walls but oh. he used to when i was young he used to give me a couple of goals but i used to win but that was his excuse he'd give me two goals <laughs> but now now he doesn't give me any goals wait so so you said in the basement and, and and having a kid who has grown up playing all sorts of sports in the basement how many times did your parents have to replace the drywall <laughs> no that's the thing they waited until we were older to finish the basement. So the basement was <laughs> all concrete walls, holes everywhere. It was just, it was kind of like a mess, but it was perfect for us. And they waited until we were like out of that stage or too big for the basement to finish it. Cause they knew it would just get absolutely ruined. Smart parenting right there. <laughs> yeah. So when, when did you know which game you were going to come in and play your first home game in? Uh, no, I wasn't sure. Like, exactly what game uh i had a good week of training that week and i could kind of feel it coming but i had no clue what game it would be it was 
I think it was whatever minute it was, I saw, like, our kit guy, B, run down and was like, all right, let's go get your debut. And then I ran up there, my heart was racing, and I just went in. Well, well so if I remember correctly, you didn't go right in. You had to, like, wait around. Oh yeah, I waited for so long. For so, so whoa, I, I, I'm sitting there watching you on the sideline, and, and some of your teammates were over there encouraging you. People seemed to be all excited, and it just seemed to like drag on. But you couldn't get in the game. What was it like just standing there, wanting to run in? I mean, yeah, I, I just wanted them to kick the, out the ball. I remember one time Ale just had it in the corner, and everyone was just like, kick it out, kick it out, and he decided to switch a long ball, and I was like, all right, come on, Ale, let me go in the <laughs> Let, let me in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just like, all right, when am I, I was just eager. I was like, all right, is it going to be this one? Is it going to be this one? You know, you know, you've known Coach Curtin and been able to work with him for years coming through the system, and, and he's talked about getting on the field. You've earned that time you've gotten to play, and he's talked about how proud he is of the work you've put in. What's it like to get to play for him at so many different levels and now get to be out there with him as, as the coach on the main team? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, he's a great coach, and coming up from the academy, you know, he coached my brother when he was at the academy, so he knows what the foundation and what it's like for like these young kids coming up through the academy and the pathway and the way he handles and treats the homegrowns it's just fantastic i can't give him enough credit what's the one piece of advice that brendan gave you about how to deal with coach Curtin that's been most helpful <laughs> he didn't he didn't give me any advice really <laughs> he was gonna let I you fend for yourself <laughs> Yeah, we haven't really had that conversation. What, what, what was the experience like for you, that, that first goal that you got against the Revolution this season? Look, it's, it's fun for us as, as spectators who follow you and, and who hear about you coming up through the ranks and, and how exciting you're going to be to watch, and then, and then we see you come out and start to get the experience on the field. Then all of a sudden you get that goal. What, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was just a complete adrenaline rush. Like, when I got the ball in the pocket... I was kind of, I squared up the fair and I was like, all right, what do I do here? And then I just did a little shimmy and just hit it with the left. And I saw it pierce the back of the net. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that really just happened. And then I just, I didn't even know it just happened. I was like, did I really just score? And you ask like any of the other guys on the team, like I was just like, I, when we were going back, I was just like screaming. I was just like, oh my God, like I just scored. I just scored like a hundred times. Sergio was dying left. <laughs> They, they must have been entertained by that for sure. Yeah, they were. So what happened when you do something like that? What do the veteran players do? Do they come over and say anything to you? Do they just kind of shake their heads? Do they <laughs> laugh? Like, 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 like what do the old guards do? No, they're, I mean, they're obviously, they joke around a lot, but they're all, they were all really happy for me. They all, you know, they share that and they see me putting work into training and to see that like come off on the field they're all happy for me but of course they're gonna joke around like oh why didn't you hit it more in the upper 90 or you could have done that better but it's it's all jokes you know one of the the great things about soccer is the international aspect of it what has it been for like for you uh this young part of your career to play with so many players from different countries yeah, it's definitely a great learning experience having all these guys from growing up with learning the game differently. And I just try and take it all in, just be a learner of the game every day. I'm asking, 
trying to take advice from all the different people. You know, Sino grew up playing in Brazil, Sao Paulo, the best Brazilian academy over there. And then you have guys just from everywhere. Ale played in the biggest stages in the world, Miro, all these guys. So I just try and take advice from each and every one of them and put it into my game. You know, you traveled a little bit, uh, I saw, when you were with the academy, playing internationally, but uh, what was the experience like for you to, to get time and play on the pitch in the CONCACAF Champions League? That atmosphere, that pressure, it's a little different from the MLS. What was that like for you? Yeah, it's it's definitely more of a hostile environment, but I love those type of atmospheres. I think it's what brings out the best in the players when the atmospheres and the stakes are that high. So I credit the fans of the teams in CONCACAF they love the game but I think it's just the CONCACAF in general it's a great experience it's one that it doesn't come up a lot of times but when it does it brings out the best in all the players all right so we know you got to go you got some practice to do before we let you go since since you're young enough we're going to give you a little homework assignment Uh uh-oh Please right. watch Ted Lasso, and hopefully we can have you back, and then you can tell us which player is most like a, which actor from Ted Lasso. Oh, that, that, that is good homework. Okay. All right? <laughs> I have some high school homework to do, too. but <laughs> so, No, you could skip the week. We give you permission not to do that. Oh, watch yeah. TV oh, instead. Your poor teachers are going to hear this and be like, <laughs> what is he saying? Paxton, right. thank you so much for the time. We wish you continued success. Look forward to seeing you out there, and uh, great to talk to you. Hope to get you have you again. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Take right. care. Take care. Jeff, look at you. You're giving out homework, man. That's not cool. It's Friday how, afternoon. How, how cool is that? At, to, at, at his age. All of it is cool. To, to, to be in a professional sport, playing with these guys from all over the world, with all of these people cheering you on, and to do it 20 miles from your hometown. That's the, the thing. Like, He grew up going to games, and now he's on the pitch in the middle of it. In the middle of the action. That would be and just like you playing for the Eagles. Yeah, except for that would never happen. Or the, or, <laughs> or, or the Sixers. I got a better which chance. Which almost did happen. I've got a better chance right? of moving the chains in an NFL game than playing in an NFL game. I don't even think I'm athletic well, enough What about for that. the Sixers? You actually made it to tryouts. We tried that. So. It did not work out well. At least you made it through practice. <laughs> I checked out like 10 minutes in. You right, didn't so make it through drills. I didn't make it through anything. Oh I couldn't God. dribble through my legs. But do that's I, okay. Do, do I, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do I have permission to, to put the video up now of, of you trying to dribble the ball through? your legs not on purpose sure why not oh, I mean yeah. I mean you put out the video of you dunking it's right. fine I mean I I've admitted how unathletic I am the, the, <laughs> the fact that we do a sports radio show and people can now see me they, they recognize yeah. that I'm not the the tallest person or I am sitting down but I'm even shorter in my chair than you are when they see us on the video well but see that's the way it used to be like even with ESPN in the in the early days the people that were the, the broadcasters were the were the ones that you could relate to for the most part because they never <laughs> were successful at the sports. Now it's being taken over. I mean, we're going to have a guest in a few minutes that was the number one pick in the entire NFL draft. Yeah, we should tell people and, in about 15 minutes we're going to have uh, NFL writer Bob Glauber and NFL great Keyshawn Johnson on. To, to, to be fair, they do have a better perspective than us, <laughs> right? A slightly better perspective. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to them about their book after the break in a little bit, the forgotten first about the breaking of the NFL color barrier. Uh, let's talk Paxton real fast. Okay. He's been in the academy system since he was 10 years old. Right. Can you imagine the competitions between him and his brother? I, I love that he said that his parents waited to finish the basement. 
The, see, I didn't even think and of that. And it totally oh, no, makes well, me regret well, finishing the basement with my kids so young now. You know what? Because I, I'm absolutely going to get holes. My, ours was totally, because kids were playing baseball in the basement. We didn't finish baseball. the basement when the we moved The entire in. basement was just dense all over the place. Yeah, we did it later. That's... All of a sudden, you would hear that you would feel the house shaking, and I would turn and the... go, what is going on down there? Oh, they're just playing football in the basement. So I used to play street hockey outside. Yeah. And there is oh, no, that, still, my kid played it in the there is still broken siding from wrist shots that I took where right. I missed the goal. And my parents hide it with a tree, or at least they try to. But every time <laughs> I come back home with, with the boys to bring them over, they I show it. Brandon the mark that I left on my parents' house. When you made your first billion, you couldn't have made sure to replace their my siding. First That's billion. the least look you at, could have you. done. My first bill. Right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Replace their siding. Yeah, they were never happy with the damage that I did to the house uh, when I was and playing yet, sports And yet you at haven't home. fixed it. Well, Jason, I, I, I'm going to tell you, Jason's going to Home Depot this weekend, and he's going to replace the sign. That probably wouldn't go well either. It's better off just leaving the damaged <laughs> siding there. Why? I picture you being so handy at the house. Jeff, um, I've Are you handy? More handy now than I was before, but no. Yeah. No. Um, handy is a relative term. Like, <laughs> like, like, what are you comfortable doing? Painting? Yeah. I, well, okay. So, it's... <laughs> the, <laughs> The experiences I've had with painting, a yeah. lot has ended up on the floor, and it hasn't gone very well. Uh, there's a story about painting my dad's room when well, I was younger. Well, then <laughs> maybe what you should do is, like, people paint their garage, the basement, I yeah. mean, their floor. Yeah. Maybe you should just go there, and then that way the paint's already down there, <laughs> and you just roll it around. Can we talk sports, please, rather than my inequities? By the way, not good watching at? you paint might be a sport. That, that could be mm -hmm. entertaining. All right, let, let's get to some baseball, because... Okay. I've tried to quit the Phillies over and over again, and I can't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get it, Jeff. Explain it to me. They're, Hi, my name is Jeff. I'm a recovering Phillies fan. They're, like, like, they're two I, I don't games, know what to tell you. They're two games back at the start of today. They're 79 and 74 overall. They won 12-6 against it's the mean. Pirates. You know what it is? that is? It's mean. What they're doing is cruel. It is cruel and unusual like, punishment. Like, just let us go, okay? <laughs> <laughs> It's September, football season's going on, Sixers start camp next week, hockey's around the corner, let us go. And it's not like there isn't anything going on with like, the Sixers like starting camp like, or anything. The, so, so what are they going to do? They're going to torture us into the last week of the season? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because, with, so, so the Braves play... Bad pitching. <clears throat> the Braves play four this weekend against mm -hmm. the Padres. Right. So they yeah, have, well, double, they have to complete a They have a doubleheader today that they're like on. down yeah. one nothing on. Right. Yeah, Vito's on the other side of the glass. Yeah, so actually it's a resumption of a suspended game from yeah. July 21st. Mm -hmm. It's 5-4 in the fifth inning. In the bottom of the fifth. That is only going to be a seven-inning game. Yeah. Yep. The, the other one's a nine-inning game. Correct. Yeah, so it's a seven and then a nine. Right. Because I, I have complained about the inequity in the scheduling of all of the seven-inning games when you get rainouts. You actually right. play a lot fewer innings. Yeah, but this one worked to our advantage. It did work to our advantage. Okay, here. so don't complain. So are the Phillies going to win their three games this weekend? No. Come on, Jeff. No. They're, Where's they're not, your faith? Well, first of all, Gibson has, has not impressed the last few starts. Gibson, Sunday's Fan Appreciation Day, and it's bullpen day. <laughs> like, nothing well, says we appreciate our fans. Like, then, we can't be bothered to give you a real starter for the game. Well, look, wh why should they, the fans not be appreciated by everybody having a chance to play? I you just don't get what it. What better than you get to see everybody on the roster right, play so that day? I'm, I'm going to ask you, like, an honest hypothetical. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a... The Phillies <laughs> do make the playoffs, okay? And you saw what Aaron Nola did last night. He gave up six runs, then yeah. settled down and did whatever. He's the fifth starter. I was going to say, the is The bullpen he, game comes before is, Aaron is Nola he, this time. 
is your rotation Wheeler, Suarez, Gibson, or is Nola? Where, no, it's where a, it, he, no, it's 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 no, because they'll they'll have to go with Nola. So Wheeler, Nola, Suarez. Nope, it's Wheeler, Suarez, Gibson. You can't have it. As, as good as Wheeler, Rangers Nola, pitching, Gibson is right. your pitchers. Has he earned that spot though to start? In Gibson? the past, he has not no, this Nola right now. He's in the, just so inconsistent. Doesn't matter. In, he has on it reputation. He has Girard, this Girardi's going. Look, Girardi's still going. in the game despite everything he's done. You know, Girardi's going to play with Nola. So, and I understand that, but I'm, I'm asking. He's your opening day pitcher, and hasn't really pitched like it this season. And I don't know if something's wrong. I, I don't know what's going on. It doesn't matter but, unless they shut him down. He's their number two pitcher. <laughs> you get less criticism by playing him than you do if you don't pitch him. All I know is before I could turn the game on last night, it was 5 nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. I couldn't even. Oh, no, I saw that part, <laughs> and that's when I turned it off and watched Thursday Night Football. I was doing bedtime only, with the kids. Only to get notifications that all of a sudden the Phillies were coming back. Drip, 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 drip. I was actually on the phone with, with Vito when that happened because he wanted to bet on it, and unfortunately... He was on the phone with me for so long that he lost the ability to make money off he of the bet. He wanted a that bet he, on it. You're the person that he shouldn't be talking to. Well, he shouldn't be, but he wanted to place a bet on the Phillies coming oh, back. Oh, you're like Kramer. And because he was talking to me, he missed the opportunity because the Phillies already came back. So he, he did not get a chance. Well, that's good. You didn't, you didn't encourage anyone <laughs> I, to bet, I right? saved him. Uh, Jeff, what mm-hmm. is your opinion on the bullpen start? <laughs> We've already gone through this. Why are we, why are we doing this again? Look, Adonis you just Medina, want me to scream? Like, is that your goal? Adonis Medina you actually pitched. Want to try to jump out the right. window and have another bu- mark on the window? Adonis Medina actually pitched all right the other day. Right. Is he going to be your starter on Sunday? If he's your starter, he's only going one inning. He went four innings the other day. Oh well, I'm telling you, he's only going. Whoever whoever pitches Sunday, you get one inning, and that's it. Everybody <laughs> well, pitches. I, so this, this is like six year old. I keep joking. Everybody gets a chance to play. I keep joking with, with Jeff about that. That bullpen game literally means every pitcher in the bullpen gets yeah. in. Like that's Girardi's idea of a bullpen game. But it is. It's, you know, I'm going to the game tomorrow. You are. I am. Well, I was supposed to go last night because you don't want to be appreciated. But it was by the rainy bullpen. and cold. It was rainy and cold, <laughs> and, and those tickets he didn't goes, cost me anything. So instead, now I'm going to the game our, where it's going to be. For our listeners, he texts me and he goes, "Do you think they're going to play the game?" I go, "Major League Baseball is going to do everything they can to play the game. It's just a question of how heavy the rain is." He goes, "I don't want to sit in the rain and watch." I go, "It's hard enough to watch good weather." Right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Back when they won the World Series, I sat in the cold and the freezing rain, and I was there for both days of Game Five. I mean, I was there for every all of it. But you know what? At this point, my blood just don't flow. So, are you I'm not, following I'm at all cold. any of the other divisions right now? Where are you on your baseball fandom right now? That's it. Once once the Phillies are out this year, I think you've had enough. I'll be looking at scores every once in a so while. So, have you seen the fact that St. Louis hasn't lost since before the NFL started their season? Yeah, pretty much since I've been there. <laughs> yeah. They haven't lost. Yeah. The, right. the reverse Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may have given me something I didn't want, but... <laughs> they, they... You brought back a souvenir in yes. return. Uh-huh. Jeff, any other baseball thoughts? Maybe we'll take an early break, come back, talk a little football before we have our guests and uh, everything I like am that. finally convinced that Bryce Harper deserves the MVP. I'm finally convinced. Uh, it's it's hard to it picture... Just watching him. Just w- watching... How dominant he has been over this last uh, 45 to 60 days, watching how scared pitchers are to pitch to him. See him throw he out. He walked three times yesterday. See him throw out from the outfield and save that run the other night. Yeah. I mean, he and, and he goes all, I mean, he's Aaron uh, Rowan with skill. 
is basically <laughs> what you got. I mean, he, he busts it on every play, and, and he's the example. Like, say, so he's Chase Utley with more personality. So can he win it if they don't make the playoffs? Yes, because who's going to win it? Fernando Tatis, Tatis. They may not make the they may not make the playoffs either. So then, what do you do? All right, I'll take it. Just so you know, just so everybody, nobody who is listening to this and actually driving, if you're stopped, like if you're in the Schuylkill, you're not driving. You're just technically sitting there. I'm just telling you, Gabe Kapler's winning the manager of the year. Oh, everybody's heads are going to explode exactly. when that happens. He's absolutely. I don't want winning. him to win it. I have nothing good to say but about him. But he deserves him. it. But somehow that team with no superstars. You can say Buster Posey, but Buster Posey's not in his prime anymore. Say he doesn't deserve it, though. Brandon Crawford was not in his prime anymore. I think he's 34 or 35 at this point. There is no superstar on that team. They took Kevin Gosman, who was not that good before he left the Orioles. Everybody on that team somehow performs at a level that it all seems to work. And as much as it kills me to give him any credit for it, you have to give him credit for it. I'm going to let that be the last word before the break. Let's oh, hit don't the break. let that be the last <laughs> Let's hit word. The break. We'll come oh. back. We'll talk a little football and then get into it. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. I should have uh, asked him. I should have just asked him what music he likes too, and then I could have really felt old. We're back after the break, right? through which we talked the whole time about how Jeff, how Jeff got a my dad watches yeah, an answer from an interview, <laughs> and it made him feel oh so uh-huh. young. Uh, Jeff, let's talk a little football before we get our guests on to talk about their book in a minute. Uh, uh-huh. Costly loss for the Eagles last week against the Niners. Lots of missed opportunities and penalties. Jalen Rager stepping out of bounds on that potential throwing catch for a touchdown. Derek Barnett with the stupid personal foul. You've got injuries. Brandon Brooks is out for a few weeks with a peck strain. The Brandon Graham out for the season is the one that's a killer. It's huge. It's an absolute killer for that team. But you know what? I think everybody in Philadelphia forgot about that loss because Nick Sirianni's wearing a Beat Dallas t-shirt. Oh, God, I don't care about that stuff. Oh, come on. That was what was like basically leading the news this morning. Well, because, okay, you would call that clickbait, though. Like, I, that's literally what the, the definition but, of by, clickbait. By the way, I swear to you. Did you just at, get an alert about him wearing a shirt? A, as we're talking, bef- after I said it, there was an alert that I got. Jerry Jones responds to Sirianni's t-shirt. So Jerry Jones is now talking to a T-shirt, apparently, according to the headline, which totally makes sense. I, I, I can't. I can't. Go ahead, Vito. I need to compose myself. It's How about right. them so Cowboys? Fortunately, I don't know if you guys saw the update from Tim McManus today. Jordan Mailata got rolled up on in practice. Yeah. He has an MCL sprain, and He's, it looks like he will be out with Jordan Mailata. Yeah. Or, so, I'm sorry, so you got Andre, Andre Dillard. Dillard starting for so, Jordan Mailata. So you got Andre Dillard starting for Jordan Mailata. You've got Brandon Brooks out on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You've got a replacement with a Brandon Graham, which I think is the heart of the team. Mm-hmm. And that's the bigger problem is as much as he brings on the field, it's what he does off the field for this team. He is the leader, one of the leaders on this team. 
And that's a huge, huge loss. He knew it right away. They knew it right away. You could see Fletcher Cox crying. I mean, you can always tell. Players know when it's, when it's another level. Yeah. I mean, they, they can tell. Um, are the, Back to the T-shirt news. So if they don't win this week, <laughs> they're now, they've got a 3-0 Carolina coming up. They've got Tampa Bay. Carolina's offense is a mirage. Carolina's defense, even with the loss that they had, excuse me, that they had yesterday, Carolina's defense is really good. Is very good. Really good. Is is definitely. And, and I got to say, I did not expect Matt Rule to do as well as he has done. They have played very good football. Uh, look, they're going to come in here with a lot of confidence. You watched the game last night. What do you think of watching Sam Darnold? The- He's still Sam Darnold. He's still making dumb plays. He fumbles the ball a lot. He does not. Like, if, if I'm a coach of another team, a defensive coordinator, what I'm watching for film is I'm watching how he does not secure the ball. So once the pocket breaks down with him, every time he has the ball in one hand, not secured, and not looking to get rid of it quickly, and at least twice yesterday that I saw before I went to bedtime, um, is, <laughs> is, is, is they, they just smacked the ball right out of his hand. We're gonna and, have... and, I mean, he has been a turnover machine since his days at USC. Before I went to bedtime, followed up by my dad told me to watch it. Jeff, you're just cranking him out here. Hey, today. man, I don't know what to tell you. So did you see the news that the NFL is going to expand to Wild Card Monday? Why? So they're going to— And if you're going to do that, why not have two? Why not have two Saturday, two Sunday, and two Monday? Why have two, three, and one? They're going to extend Wild Card Weekend as— You're going to ignore me. League anou- I don't understand why, actually, and I don't— <laughs> So I, just ignore me. Well, if I don't have a good answer, what am I going to say to you? Oh, okay. I don't—like, I'm not trying to be on the fence. I legit don't understand, one, why you'd only do one giving Well, a, to be fair, that is kind of the Giving a competitive disadvantage— to whoever else is going to be playing because now they're on a short week. That's why I said, why are they, why are they not having two? I Yeah, I don't understand. That would make the most sense, wouldn't it? it? It would definitely make the most sense to do that, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do it. Now, obviously, I guess the reason is money. It's always the reason. You get another You're night guessing? of football. You're, you don't think it's just because uh, there's some strategic reason to do it? Well, uh, I, it's the Cash. same league that talks about injury concerns for players and oh, saw we're not a rash have that of injuries debate. last week. We can't have that debate every time. And just added another just, week just, of football. Just go with the jaded excuse if you want to. Or The fact is, injuries are going to happen. The NFL doesn't care. And, and that's the way it is. I, do, I don't know what to tell you. Do, do you think that... They test uh, once they do it, they're not going to go back. So they're going to end. I think they'll end up with two, two, and two Saturday, Sunday, Monday because it used to be all Sunday, and then it was Saturday, Sunday, and then it was Saturday. I don't Sunday, know if Monday. there's something weird in the schedule that makes them do it this year. But why don't we have a better discussion than w- what games are on what ga- days of TV? Yeah, we we can definitely have a better discussion about everything. Why don't we get to something special here, Jeff? Let's bring on our guests. We've got. Former USC Trojan, top draft pick in 1996, and now the host of ESPN's morning program, Keyshawn J. Will and Max, Keyshawn Johnson, Bob Glover, Newsday columnist who's covered football since 1985. They are both the authors of the new book out this week, The Forgotten First, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marion Motley, Bill Willis, and The Breaking of the NFL Color Barrier. Guys, thanks so much for giving us some time. Congratulations on the fantastic book. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. it. It is so great to to get to have you both on the show. Um, it, it's fascinating to read it. I'm wondering 
where did the idea, whichever one of you want to go first, where did the idea come from and, and why was now the right time to write it? Well, I think the right time, well, the idea came from Bob <laughs> and, the right, and the right time was to write it now. Um, you know, going through everything that we went on that we've had to deal with over the, you know, let's just call it 18 months. Let's call it two years to be good with it because we obviously know it goes further back than that but when you have the biggest situation going on in the unrest and the george floyd murder and and just other countless things that was going on in our in our country you know people's ears start to raise like rabbits and minds start to and minds start to race and 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 ideas are put and people want to be curious about different things and when Bob approached me about it after doing a couple of years of thinking himself, he decided to reach out to me and present an opportunity of a lifetime um, by saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, writing this particular book and I want you to uh, participate with me and c collaborate with me on this project. And so from there, I just kind of said, oh, OK. Let me let me look into it and, and took a day or so to look into it and and then talk back to Bob and said, you know, I'm all in boots on the ground. Let's go. You know, Keyshawn, you grew up not far from one of the people that is the subject of this book. When when you hear about that, does it frustrate you that that even even in that area that this was not a bigger story? Because I got to tell you, as somebody who's had a kid grow up who who uh, Jackie Robinson is beloved to him. To hear that these stories have not been told sooner, does that frustrate you? It, it frustrates me from, from that standpoint that, that I didn't know when I was growing up in school that this was there. I knew that Jackie Robinson, Jesse Owens, Muhammad Ali, you know, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, I knew those things because society taught us those things in school. But I didn't know about Black Wall Street. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. I didn't. I didn't know that we had, as as blacks in America, that we had a, a, a stable um, neighborhood, community environment. That it was torched, burned down, hundred years. Like I, I didn't know any of that because it wasn't told to me. It was buried. I didn't know that four black men were the first uh, four African-American football players be reintegrated back into the National Football League after a simple hiatus of 12 years uh, when we were basically banned from playing professional football. Um, I didn't know that. They didn't tell me that in school. Uh, so it is frustrating. It's, it, it's, it's senseless to me at times, and I always want to know, why do people do stuff like that? Like, what is wrong with people in the world? You know, but you'll never get the answers. Of it. You'll never get those answers. We find ourselves asking those same questions regularly. But you, you talk about 12 years of having nobody in the NFL. Bob, from the NFL's perspective, I found it interesting. I learned so much reading this, but I didn't know about the importance of the move of the Cleveland Rams to Los Angeles and a taxpayer-funded commission. Can you tell mm -hmm. the story about that and how that kind of opened some eyes? Yeah, that was really the beginning of reintegration in the NFL. So the, the Cleveland Rams win the NFL championship in 1945, and they want to move to Los Angeles because Dan Reeves, the team owner, is not making enough money in Cleveland. He knows that Paul Brown is about to 
startup, the, the Cleveland Browns of the All-America Football Conference in 1946. So he says, I got to get out of here. I got to go to a place where I can make some money. And, they, and he chose Los Angeles. And he basically thought it was going to be a rubber stamp deal where, okay, L.A. is going to accept a, a pro football team. Great. Here we go. Let's, let's do it. Well, they get before the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum Commission, and there were several influential black sports writers at the time, one of whom, Hallie Harding, uh, really pushed publicly to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you want to play in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, a publicly owned, publicly funded building that was built in part by black workers, and you want to bring your team here, an all-white team, and not have any black players on your team. No, uh-uh. And that stopped that meeting of the commission in January. It just, like, everything went silent. And the Rams, uh, Ch- child Chili Walsh was the general manager at that time, was described as just having gone completely pale and said, what, 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 what is this? What's happening? So it was a very serious movement. And, and that changed, and that meeting really changed the history of, of pro football in a lot of ways because it forced the Coliseum Commission to look at it, and they basically brokered a deal to have Kenny Washington. He was the preferred player that they wanted on that team because he was a very popular player in Southern Cal, played at UCLA, starred, played semi-pro ball, and he was the guy that Hallie Harding targeted as the perfect person to join the Rams uh, and at least have a shot at playing pro football. And they finally agreed. The Rams said, okay, we'll do it. Now, they didn't do it willingly. They were forced into it because if they don't do it, they don't get a stadium. So they did it. You know, and I think that's that's one reason why maybe this story is not embraced so much. Like Jackie Robinson was a purposeful signing. This was, you know, they had to push for this. But it happened nonetheless, and, and history was, was changed forever. You know, you mentioned Kenny Washington along with Woody Strode. You have a chapter in the book where you talk about their relationship with Jackie Robinson. They all played mm-hmm. in the same backfield. Can you talk about them? Because I, I found it interesting that, again, everybody knows the Jackie Robinson story at this point, but people don't know the Kenny Washington or the Woody Strode story. Yeah, really fascinating because, you know, Jackie Robinson uh, was a star player at Pasadena Junior College and uh, – Everyone wanted to recruit him. A lot of schools wanted to recruit him, up, especially on the West Coast. And UCLA went after him pretty hard, and it was a fairly liberal-minded school and athletic department at the time, and, and they got him. So, so Jackie joins Woody Strode and Kenny Washington in, on the same offense, and, and now Woody and Kenny are best friends. So it was a little bit of, uh, you know, they, 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 didn't, they didn't embrace him warmly. They, he was their teammate, and they got along, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't particularly – warm and jackie was going through stuff uh, in his own right he lost his older brother who was his closest person in life to a motorcycle accident not long before he went to ucla so he was kind of a brooding personality and you know it wasn't always smooth sailing i think woody strode des- described it as jackie having a chip on his shoulder so it was a little you know it was a little bit uncomfortable but they got along and they had a phenomenal season they were unbeaten that year and almost won a national championship they had a 0-0 tie against Keyshawn Johnson's USC Trojans <laughs> and and oh, couldn't right. win that wow, that's not championship. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That, he knows. But I'll tell you what, that they played to a 0-0 tie the last game of an unbeaten season, 
and there's USC and UCLA fans, 103,000 of them in that building, and they all stood up and roared when Kenny Washington came off the field for the last time to pay tribute to, to that career because he, he almost pulled out that game, and he was, he was the main driver of that season. And then Jackie, you know, they played baseball in 1939 or 1940 season, and Kenny was clearly the better player, and Jackie was not. And, and you know, they, they got along. Um, but but it wasn't like you know buddy buddy say like Woody Strode and and Kenny Washington. Guys, this this book is to me a start. It's first of all, it's a history book. It's important that everybody read this story. But for for people like Keyshawn, do you do you see the NFL now instead of kicking and screaming, being led into these places now honoring these four individuals and doing something similar to what we do with Jackie Robinson? I, I think so. Um, I think with the understanding that it's okay, it's okay to honor African-Americans. It's okay to do something, step outside the box, do something that hasn't been done before. It's okay. The NFL has to understand it's okay. No, the sponsors aren't going to pull out. Nobody's going to boo you. People aren't going to stop watching. It's okay now. You know, this is the reality of, the league. You told a story forever about the National Football League and professional football, but you didn't tell this story. And so now you have to tell this story with the other stories that you tell in the National Football League with no hesitation. You know, we want to make sure we, we value your time. And, and so I could ask you so much more. In the book, you go into the people who blocked integration, like the Washington owner, or the people who helped it along, like Paul Brown. But I'll, I'll kind of go to my last one and ask, what's the legacy of these four men as it, as it comes to the NFL and, and where they, they rate in history? Well... I think it's an important legacy, and I, and I think it's a legacy that those guys didn't understand they owned at the time they played. And it sounds a little weird, but you know they were they were just they were athletes, and they were they were up to compete and play and and, and win. And I I don't know that they fully understood the importance of of, of their role and and how they came first and others followed. Now, Motley and, and Willis certainly came to understand that. I don't know that they were appreciated enough in Cleveland. Um, you know, they're having the 75th anniversary celebration of the founding of that franchise. I think it's this weekend. And I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, single out those two guys, but they should. And Kenny and Kenny and Woody, you know, they, 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 they played. They, they loved to play football. And they, they understood it to some degree, but they were just playing. And... I think it's it's fair to look back at them and say, you know what, they what they did was really important. And even if it wasn't publicized at the time, Keyshawn and all the players that came after um, owe a debt of gratitude. And um, I, I think I think we owe a debt of gratitude to the to these guys who kind of started something that that has blossomed into you know what the NFL is right now. Keyshawn, do you have any thoughts after writing the book before we let you guys go? Uh, you know, my my thought is that I hope and I pray that the NFL honored them, much like Major League Baseball honored Jackie Robinson. Give them a day. Um, you know, we see where they honor many things, 
you know, we, we, we see where they have no issue honoring others. Give them that. Give them that opportunity. And I also would hope that many universities that teach history across the world tap into our book, not for financial gain from us, for us, but for the education that this book could possibly bring to many, many people across the world to understand how things have changed from 1946 to where we are today. Well, we hope that your book starts to bring the attention that these men deserve. The book again out this week, The Forgotten First, Kenny Washington, Woody Strode, Marion Motley, Bill Willis, and the breaking of the NFL color barrier. Go get it today. You won't be disappointed. Bob and Keyshawn, thanks so much for the time. We hope we get to talk to you again. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Thank you. Jeff, I learned so much (laughs) reading that book. It's a history book. I I mean, isn't it? it, I mean, I mean, think about, see, it is amazing to me that we've gotten this far, that it's 2021 and we're only really just learning about it. I had so much that I didn't know before reading this book. And, and and it took, it took two people uh, to write this book who have the, the the gravitas to actually get this out there look it i mean i mean the fact you you have Keyshawn johnson who is one of the faces of espn now and you have bob glauber who is is one of the preeminent writers uh when it comes to the nfl and and it took them to get this story out there when it really shouldn't and that's what it's frustrating it's not just the nfl it 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 is frustrating because why hasn't this story been told well and, and especially, hold on, especially with the linkage. I mean, as you pointed out, the linkage between Jackie, this is, it's not like some random thing. They were roommates with Jackie Robinson. And look, you're now at a point where 70% of the league is African-American. It's the 75th anniversary of this league. You would think that they would give them the attention they deserve, but I, I glossed over it because we didn't want to take them too long, but mm-hmm. they do talk a lot in the book about what happened in that 12-year period. And Washington's franchise owner, George Preston Marshall, seemed to be Mm. the catalyst for blocking the reintegration. And and a lot of owners silently sat by. And there's a quote from Art Rooney Sr. that said, the other owners simply did not push back. And after the 1933 season, there were no black players in the league. In hindsight, it's the biggest mistake of his life as an owner, Art Rooney called it. Okay, so... yeah, and the Rooney family has been a leader in throughout the generations in advancement and integration. Yes, and, and, and trying to do the right thing. But I, 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 I hate to do this, but I'm going to focus on the negative just a little bit. The Washington football team, knowing now what you've read in this book about their role in making or trying to make sure that there was an integration, right? How is it that they still, after all of these years, and even new owners are so tone deaf that they don't just sit there and go, you know what? With our history, even if you didn't have that history, but you do. We've only got what? an hour show. We've only got like nine minutes left. You yeah. want to explain the history of the Washington football team? That's, I, 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 that's I just like want to know five weeks why, of radio. why they have to come kicking and screaming to just be decent. Well, look, the, the statue only came down last year for that franchise owner. Mm-hmm. And so... 
clearly there there was an honoring of him despite that part of his legacy and so people in washington may cite all the things that he did but he was apparently the driver in not having african-americans in the league for 12 years and i, I just i asked them about it i found it fascinating i i wonder it's going to be interesting when the movie is because because the, there you know there will be right? i wondered there should be and, and so when it watches because and i hope it i hope that movie is is done soon because I, I want I want to someday have you tell me the reaction of your children because because and, and I know you're looking at me like huh but I can tell you that I sat in a movie theater watching 42 with my child when he was younger and I remember coming out of that theater I'll never forget he probably didn't understand why they treated him people like that n- no no it was worse than that he said dad I'm ashamed to be a Philly fan because of that one scene now the, they, the Phillies have obviously changed their history a lot, but that, but that one scene with the Phillies and Jackie Robinson had such an impact on a young kid, and and so I hope that the story gets told, so that that people know the history, the positive history. Not the, we don't so, need to go into the Washington so football a, team sort of. I have a fast. question though, and this is what I kept wondering, and it's why I asked him to explain what happened when they moved to L.A. What would have happened if Paul Brown didn't create a team in Cleveland and that team didn't move to L.A.? It would have been a lot longer. Like, when would they have reintegrated at that point? They they didn't, the owners clearly you know didn't when it would have, have happened? the courage. You know, no, what would have happened is the same thing that happened in college basketball. It would have taken some team dominating that was brave enough to have a diverse roster and then other teams saying, well, we don't want to lose. If they have a diverse roster, we need to have a diverse roster. Because isn't that really what happened with college basketball? Pretty much, yeah, and so that's what would have happened is competition would have had to take the the would have had to take the lead instead of morality. Look, I really hope that that they get the recognition they deserve. I I enjoy Jackie Robinson Day. I enjoy learning about history. I'll be curious when I when my sons are old enough to take them to forty two and to learn some of the history. Look, history isn't always pretty, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not one who has been the student of history all the time, but I'm fascinated as I learn more, and this book definitely opened my eyes. Uh, Jeff, only like six minutes left, but I did want to ask you, will you be outside Sixers practice facility booing on Monday? Like apparently a report out of some place on Twitter says will happen, and that's why Ben Simmons doesn't want to come report to training camp this week. Are we over this yet, Jeff? (sighs) I don't know. You seem a little, wow, look at that. You went from like zero to 60 like that. I'm just so done with this. Captain Clickbait over there. He, he just, <laughs> every time somebody talks, they devalue him more. And now I've got Doc Rivers insulting me, saying he didn't say what he actually said. Like, I watched Look, the all, press all, conference. I know what you ma- said. And I know now you're trying to make nice because you may not be able to get the value you want from him. So you want him in camp. Look, that ship sailed. Here, here's the frustrating part of, of the Sixers. Nobody said anything wrong. Nobody did anything wrong. This is, usually there are two sides and then the third side, right? In this situation, there is one truth. Ben Simmons, for the last half a decade, has progressively gotten more scared to shoot a basketball in a game of basketball. Where he's making over $100 it, it, million. It, it, it is slightly important. Yes. I would have done better at the tryout if I didn't have to actually dribble a basketball. Jeff. He's he's one of the few people in the world that won't take something that's free in a free throw. He doesn't want to do that, and he's afraid to touch the ball because somebody might give him the free points. 
because he can't make the free points. And now he's upset because after the season's over, competitive athletes and coaches got frustrated that he wouldn't shoot the ball, that he was afraid while under him, the bag. They want him to be better. Right. Which you would think he would want. Right. So Can we and, agree, and, though, and, now? And now, you know what? I, I get frustrated when people talk about Philadelphia fans. Philadelphia fans were ridiculously supportive to Markel Fultz when they really shouldn't have been. They were supportive of Ben Simmons, but I will admit that if Ben Simmons shows up on game one, guess what? He is not getting cheered because they hope he no. makes a free throw. Look, I'm telling you. He knows he, that, when and he, he's a, he is the true athlete who is afraid of the look, fans. He's gonna and be, that's why he's, he's going to be traded his way out. And when he comes back on another team and shoots his first set of free throws, that frosty freeze-out crowd Wendy's, Wendy's cannot wait for Wendy's Ben Simmons like to come back with another up team. marketing campaigns mm -hmm. for the, when Ben Simmons comes back to play against the and Sixers. And will Ben Simmons' feelings get hurt when one of the players is cheering on the Frosty Freeze out, which if people don't know, if you go to the game, there is one of the at least one player who is on the sidelines cheering for the Frosty Freeze out. I know Vito's dying to say something, but I'm moving on to golf real fast because I've only got three minutes left, and I've got to ask Jeff about his Ryder Cup. Are you My, mine? Yes. It's now called the Jeff Cohen Ryder Cup. I know how much awesome. you love this. You've I didn't gone, get a ticket. You've gone to competitive tournaments yes. before. I know how much you enjoy this. Did you watch earlier today? No. Come I, in. I work during the day. Oh, stop it! I do it. not Don't have time like to watch TV Don't except for like Ted Lasso. Stuff. Exactly. If it would have been on at five a.m., I could have watched it. Oh, there Ted was some good golf earlier. The but but just so you know, I don't want you to get overly <laughs> excited. The U.S. wins the morning of the first round all the time, and it doesn't mean squat except that they won't lose as bad, okay? Because most of those first-round leads go away. Did you see they, the win they, now? Their problem is the individual parts of this. They somehow cannot hold on when it comes to the individual parts. I think this will be closer, and part of the reason is one of the beauties of the Ryder Cup is how loud and, and how great the fans are in a positive way. The problem for Europe is the Europeans aren't allowed in for, for the most part. So where it would normally be like 70-30, it's like 98-2. to two. And, and what the Europeans tried to do yesterday was all wear cheese heads. Yeah, I don't know that that worked. <laughs> the atmosphere was definitely fantastic. You see the wind becoming a factor? 20 to 25 mile an hour wind gusts. It's called whistling straights. <laughs> it's Excuse a windy me. golf course. Excuse me as I cough on the radio yeah. uh, as I choke away. But so 20, <laughs> 20 to 25 mile an hour gusts. The wind switched directions, though, from what they were practicing all week. So in the second round, it was actually out of the south-southwest. And the first golfer that complains about the wind should be kicked out of the Ryder so Cup. You're telling me I shouldn't get excited because the U.S. was up in the early round. I would tell you to temper your enthusiasm but continue to root for the U.S. In our final and minute. hope that Brooks Kepta and and Bryson DeChambeau don't wrap golf clubs around each other's necks. In our final minute together this week, when we convene next week, Rutgers Ooh. will have played Michigan. Uh -huh. um, my team prepared this week by apparently firing paintballs at people and having two <laughs> of their players suspended. What is that about? I, I, apparently, one that's of a, your starting defensive players was it? What, who was he aiming this paintball gun three at? Three students. They got arrested for shooting three other students on campus. But it wasn't during a paintball match. No, it was like in the middle of the night. Were the other students like aware that 
This no, was... that's the thing. They were just randomly shooting paintballs at oh, people so on campus. Oh, so he's just an idiot is basically it. Yeah, it's definitely how you and prepare for a game against team. Michigan. But yeah. you are on a blackout um, yes. for the game. We uh -huh. have 20 seconds left. We call them lockdowns I found, among my crew. I found the only bright side. What's that? If Rutgers has a game like they did in the past, I won't oh, I'm get not coming score in. updates from you. Yeah, I won't be coming While in. it goes on, uh, I'll have to hear Actually, about it Actually, the later. only reason I'll come in is because I won't have to talk to you because we're going to have a really good guest on. And if people have not watched Once, a time, Once Upon a Time in Queens, watch it because there will be one of the 86 Mets here next week. We'll tell you what we got coming. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.